Alright y'all, welcome back to the Dr. Phil Show. Before we get into today's program, I do have a bit of an announcement. Now I know y'all are great fans of the ranch. We love sending the dysfunctional kid out there, but I am going to be repurposing the ranch. You see, I noticed we have much bigger problems in this society, so now the ranch is going to no longer be exclusively for dysfunctional children. Instead, we will be sending both parents and medical practitioners that decide to transition children. They will now be exiled to the ranch. So I just wanted to make that very clear. If you hear stories of this stuff happening here, send them my way. I will make sure that these people are dealt with. Now that we've got that all cleared up, we're going to head to commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to hear from a single mother who actually believes that her two-year-old toddler is a spy operating on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. We're going to be reacting to a Dr. Phil clip on the Joe Rogan podcast where he talks about his real opinion on transitioning children. Guys, before we get into this video, please like and subscribe. We're having a much needed conversation and the person who's going to lead this conversation may be an unlikely one. It's interesting they choose words like uh, gender affirming care. You know, that's that's interesting that they call it that. But really what they're talking about is hormonal therapy or sex reassignment surgery on children. And in fairness, the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Endocrine Society or whatever the exact name of that is, all of the major medical associations have signed off on this, Joe. They've signed off on it. And I have never seen those organizations sign off on anything with less information as to whether or not it does long-term harm of anything in my life. And when I when I ask about that, when I bring that up, then they immediately label you as transphobic. Pause. Immediately we're getting into some really interesting use of language. And there's really a mastery of language when it comes to this topic that sort of pigeonholes you into either being silent or, you know, espousing your opinion, but getting that accusation of being a transphobe, as Dr. Phil said. It's very interesting that they call it gender affirming care, because who would be against the affirmation of somebody's gender, right? We sprinkle in these really beautiful words to make you feel good about the thing that you're supporting, when in reality, you are often committing harm and harm against the most vulnerable in our society, which I believe we're going to get into in this video, children, because children are falling for this hook, line and sinker and deciding to go down the path of sex reassignment surgery and hormone replacement therapy, all of these different medical treatments that in fact end up harming them. So gender affirmation is a really beautiful way to say an act of harm, essentially. I thought that the deal was first do no harm. And all of the European countries, you know, Sweden, Norway, they, they've all stopped doing it because they say, we, we cannot say in good conscience that this does no harm. Finland, Germany, France. Because it does harm. If, if, if you look at the long-term consequences, if someone changes their mind at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, uh, they can't decide which pajamas they want to wear at night. And their reason for doing it is it stops this drive for suicide, that there's a suicide epidemic. It doesn't fix that. It doesn't fix all the comorbid issues that come along with feeling like they're in the wrong body. Um, but yet they're pushing this. And it's we're going to do some shows that are already taped that are revealing what the real results of this are. And I think people are going to be shocked that these medical organizations have signed off on this. I think they've just given in to 
the pressure. Pressure, profit, ideology. There's a ton of stuff going on here. It's really interesting, and I think a really great thing that Dr. Phil is deciding to talk about this because he has such a massive platform. You all know that. We probably all grew up watching Dr. Phil to some extent. Even if you just had basic cable and you saw his face on your TV, it's really important to have uh, people with his platform decide to use it for something like this and to pedestalize conversations that really need to be had in an honest sense. So I'm glad that he's deciding to do it because it's not to his benefit. Now, what he's talking about with children who are experiencing this and thinking they're born in the wrong body or they're feeling an incongruence with their mind in their body, why is it that we're not looking at other things that could be going on? Those comorbidities that he mentions when it comes to children. If I'm feeling like I'm stuck in the wrong body, we could say, yeah, that's probably the primary issue here. And we can solve that by changing your body, by augmenting the different things that you feel like need to be changed. And that will get rid of whatever incongruence you're feeling. Or we could look a little deeper and say, what other things are going on in your mind, in your environment, in your community that could be leading you to feel an incongruence between your mind and body? Are you in a very anxious environment? Do you experience anxiety yourself? Are you experiencing depression? Are you being bullied at school? There are so many things that you could list off that could potentially lead to someone feeling what we now call gender dysphoria. And we're not investigating that thoroughly enough, I don't think. And the laundry list goes on and on. I'm sure you guys can come up with examples of your own, of other things that could be leading to this experience that now many children are saying they're having. But instead of investigating that, we're going, oh, well, the girl said that she's a boy. Let's put her on track to make that a reality. Even though no matter what we do medically, no matter how much you augment your body, that will never become the actual reality. It's very, very unfortunate. Yeah, I just don't understand where the pressure is coming from. Another phrase they're using now is life-saving gender-affirming care. They like to smash them all together like that. Well, I, I don't think that uh, I just don't think that there's evidence to suggest that's true. Is this Here the guy is. you're talking yeah. about? He said there's no such thing as parental rights in Canada. Children have rights in Canada, and those kinds of policies restrict the rights children have. Pause. I think we need to actually really hear what is said in this clip, so I'm going to pull it up for you so you can get the true scope of that clip that they just referenced and hear it for yourself, because it's much more sinister when you hear it for yourself, I think. Do you view this as a parental rights issue at all? Well, I'd like to say, first of all, there's no such thing as parental rights in Canada. There are parental responsibilities. And in Canadian family law, the primary responsibility of parents is to support and affirm their kids. Mm -hmm. Children have rights in Canada, and these kind of policies restrict the rights that children have. Okay, I want to make sure we all heard that. Right. Okay. Number one, and uh, specifically for all the Canadians out there, should be deeply concerning for you. It really should be concerning wherever you are because this sort of ideology is just flowing out uh, all over the world. But number one, you do not have parental rights in Canada. <sighs> That's crazy. When you take on the responsibility of being a parent, there are most certainly rights that should follow with that because you are the protector of your child. You are the gatekeeper for all the things that could come to affect your child, both negative and positive. And to not have a set of rights that accompany that is just astounding to me. He even goes on to say children have rights, which of course children do and should have rights. But he says that the parent's responsibility is to simply affirm and support your child 
child. Now that sounds wonderful and lovely. Just like gender affirming care sounds wonderful and lovely. Just like living in the right body sounds wonderful and lovely. But what is really being said there is that you must bend to the whims of your child who does not have a fully developed brain, who does not exactly know who they are, who does not exactly understand their place within the world, let alone the way the world works. And you as a parent must affirm every single thought and desire that your child has. Now you've heard it a million times. Children want to be Superman and princesses and G.I. Joe, and they want to do all these different things when they're four, five years old. The whims of a child, sure, are meant to be listened to. They're meant to be understood. You're meant to validate them to a certain extent, meaning that your feelings are valid, your thoughts are valid. But as a parent, you're meant to unpack those thoughts, to inject understanding into your child and to allow them to see that maybe they aren't. Superman. Maybe they aren't the Disney princess. Maybe they aren't the G.I. Joe. And that's okay. And while it's important to listen to your child and to hear them out, it's also important to provide guidance. But apparently in Canada, you're not meant to provide that guidance. You're just simply meant to affirm whatever it is that your child says. Guys, if that clip does not freak you out, I don't know what will. This is a wild thing, man. It's, well, it's, it's, I've never seen anything like it. But America's not far behind that because no. I've, I've talked to a lot of teachers and they're telling me that they have a duty to the children that if the child is not ready to talk to their parents about this, that it's okay for them to keep a secret from the child. Now, let me tell you what my problems with this are and see what you think. Um, first off, if this is either a psychological phenomenon or a medical phenomenon. And the teachers are not trained in either psychology or medicine. They're not any more trained to deal with that than they are to take out the kid's spleen in the homeroom. So if that's true, if it's a psychological thing, if it's, if it's gender dysphoria, or it's a, it's a medical uh, issue, then you need someone trained in child psychology, psychiatry, or medicine. And the teacher's not trained in any of those three things. Like I say, they're not any more trained in that than they are to take out the child's spleen. So how are they qualified to deal with that? Secondly, it's teaching the child to keep a secret from their parents. It's teaching deception and interfering between the child's relationship with their parent. Now, their issue, with their, their justification for that is, well, if the child goes home and announces this, or if we tell it to the parent, then the child could get abused. The child could get judge the child could get kicked to the curb uh, but they have to admit statistically that that is very rare and if that's the case that's what we have child department of child and family services for that's what we have child protective services for if that's the case then you call in for some intervention if the child is being abused at home for whatever reason uh, then you get intervention in that way. But you don't come between the child and their parent. The audacity of a teacher to think that they know better for your child than you do is just crazy to me. This is insane. And it's led to some really bad outcomes. There's a story out of Florida, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm forgetting the name of uh, the family that was involved with this. But they had, I believe, a 12-year-old girl who was experiencing gender dysphoria. It was kept from her parents. Uh, she was experiencing depression, anxiety, all of these things. She attempted to kill herself in the school bathroom. And the parents get this massive bomb placed in their lap, along with all the knowledge that this child was experiencing gender dysphoria, anxiety, depression. And why were they not told? Because the school thought it was better to keep that a secret 
from her parents than it was to let them in on the struggle that their child was experiencing. And this has happened a lot. We've seen teachers who have transition closets in their classroom where you can come in as a kid in your regular clothes that your parents have approved, bring the girl clothes or boy clothes that you want to change into, and teachers are allowing the students to change in their classroom. <laughs> Clown world. Parent has the right to know what's going on. Without a doubt. And also, these people that are teaching these kids, do we even know them? You don't know them. I mean, how, how much do you know about them before they start teaching your kids? Well, that's it could be insane. It's not like the threshold for teachers is so high that only the elite of the elite cross it. You see a lot of these weird people teaching classes, and you don't necessarily want them giving advice to children about decisions for the rest of their life. And here's an important point that people need to really take into consideration. There's a reason why they have little kids become suicide bombers. Because you can talk kids into almost anything. You talk them into believing in Santa Claus. You talk kids into believing in all kinds of ridiculous shit because they're really young. You could easily convince them in one way or another that they're anything, that they're, they're, they're queer, that they're trans. You could 100% convince some kids of all kinds of things, especially by reinforcing it with love and support and happiness. You can convince people of a lot of things. That's what's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Pause. There's another dynamic here of, you know, there are wonderful people who see the issues in our community and say, I want to go and teach children and I want to take it uh, upon myself to become a good educator so that I can influence the next generation. Those people are wonderful. I also want to add that there are people who maybe experience things like gender dysphoria in their life and they were uncomfortable with their bodies or they identify as non-binary or trans this and they go, well, I wasn't accepted as a child. I want to impact the next generation of children. I'm going to become a teacher. So in the same way that, let's say, somebody who wanted to abuse children would probably behoove them to become something like a priest or, or a teacher or work at a daycare, people who want to influence and indoctrinate children can find themselves taking on similar positions. And if we don't think that that's happening in the classroom, we'd be a little bit naive to, uh, you know, Joe Rogan's point. These people seek out classrooms because they feel as though they were robbed of something as a child. So they want to give the next generation that acceptance that they did not receive, which is why we're seeing all these non-binary books in schools and, and books about pronouns. And people are having discussions about the way that you can identify and they're making, you know, gingerbread, genderqueer people and all this stuff. It's, it's a very real thing of people thinking they know better than you as a parent and they want to deliver that to the next generation. So they go into education. For a lot of gay people, they're uncomfortable with the idea that a lot of these kids are just going to grow up to become gay. My friend Tim Dillon's talked about that a bunch. He says it's homophobic. It's like it's like they're trying to say, no, you're a girl. And really, maybe you're just gay. Like, that's okay. It was always a thing. And now all of a sudden it's getting, you're, you're looking at little kids. It might just be gay kids. You're saying maybe you're a girl. Maybe you need to go to a gender reassigning surgery center and never have an erection or an orgasm for the rest of your life. Like, what the f are we doing? Pause. I'm sorry that I have to keep pausing this video over and over again. There's a great resource, and she is a great resource. Her name is Deborah So. She wrote a book called The End of Gender, and she talks about how a lot of the dynamics in terms of transitioning children or believing that your children is gender dysphoric has to do with, you know, maybe experiencing a kid who is gay and then pushing them down the path of a medical transition when, in fact, there are so many other conversations you could be having, and it might just be that they're experiencing curiosity 
curiosity when it comes to their sexuality. And then you're making this irreversible decision on their behalfs and you can't go back from it when you could be experiencing something that is far more benign than you ever would have thought. They may not even be gay. They might just be a little bit curious. They might just have questions. They might just like to experiment with things that fall outside of gender norms and you can freak out on them as a parent and go, oh my gosh, we need to go see a gender therapist. Or you can chill out and recognize that your kid is having a normal human experience and treat it like a normal human experience. They're so young. It, it, it's not, I don't think it's appropriate or safe for children. And I think you have, there is a huge body of literature uh, that addresses these issues from end to end. There's not a huge body of literature about the transgender population, and that's the problem. And what literature is out there suggests that you get, and this is where this is what you see from uh, the European countries. They've done study after study from uh, these suppressive hormones compared to doing psychotherapy, and there's not much difference. If you do psychotherapy, you can ease the depression, you can ease the suicidal tendencies with psychotherapy without doing the irreversible things. They say, well, you can reverse those things. No, that's not true. If, if you arrest the development, that can have ramifications long-term, or at least they can't say it doesn't have ramifications long-term. There's also serious side effects from the hormone blockers. Well, of course, and that's, and if you're doing testosterone blockers, for example, um, that does have long-term consequences. And my point is, they can't say it doesn't. They don't have a body of literature that says it doesn't. And I'm going to pause here because I've piled just a couple of stories that I figured people would at least want a couple examples of this stuff happening and going in the, the wrong direction versus going in the right direction. Here's some photos that were posted on Twitter, uh, two of them, of a woman who is feeding her child and specifically bottle feeding her child. You can see them here. And you'll see this woman looks devastated. Although she has just had a newborn baby, the baby's being fed, there are tears in this woman's eyes. And you'll ask yourself why. And it's because this woman by the name of Daisy received a double mastectomy, thinking that she was in fact a man who was born in a woman's body. So lopped off both of her breasts, now has grown to the age where she's accepted herself as a woman, decided to go and embrace motherhood and have a child. And now she can't breastfeed her child which is a majorly bonding experience between that of a mother and child. And she incidentally has robbed herself of that experience because of an agenda and dogma that is being forced down the throats of people. So there's an example of this going wrong. Although I'm glad that she's come to this realization and realized I do in fact want to be a woman. I do in fact want to be a mother. Now, there is somewhat of a, a tipping point or a cliff where you make that decision to either jump off into irreversible damage or to step back and pull yourself off the ledge and decide I need to wait a little bit and see if I can come to accept myself. And here's a story of somebody reaching that cliff and deciding to step backwards. And I'll read you this off of Twitter. This is from uh, Gabrielle Clark. She posted, it's taken me years to get my daughter on the right path to making her own decisions and choices about her life. She has come so far. Her mental toughness is solid. When she was identifying as trans, she couldn't cope with any problem. Yesterday, I had to go up to the school because of an issue between her and another student. I was shaking because I thought she was going to fall apart. When I found her, she immediately started yammering about 
about her archery class. She didn't look scared or upset. I was shook. As we were walking out of the school, all of these teenagers kept waving goodbye to her as we passed. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. She used to be so timid. I looked at her in disbelief and said, Danica, are you like popular? And she laughed. After we settled in for the night, I asked how she was feeling about the incident with the other student. She was polishing her nails and said, you can't fall to pieces over every little thing. It's a distraction I don't have time for and kept on polishing. I was stunned at her confidence. By this time, I'm freaking all the way out. I shouted, what the hell is wrong with you? She laughed at me, looked straight in my eyes and said, everything's good, mom. I'm feeling good. Nearly three years ago, my daughter was talking about getting top surgery, hysterically crying and dressing like a rodeo clown. A few days ago, she picked out this dress. Yesterday, she polished her nails pink. And this morning, she put butterfly clips in her hair and she's laser focused on her goals like a boss, brushing off problems like a savage. This is what affirming reality looks like. And there's a picture of a beautiful girl. We're gonna blur her face because she's a minor. We don't need to put her out there like that. But there was the tipping point and somebody decided, nope, Let's pull her off the ledge. And at the very least, let's wait to see how this goes. And you'll come to find in the turbulence that is being a teenager. Often when things smoothen out a little bit, you realize, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I was thinking at that moment. Something else was in control of my bodies. And it's often the throes of puberty, the hormones of puberty, the anxiety you feel trying to learn about yourself and your body and who you are to be accepted by other people, to go to school, to have pressure placed on you. There are a million things that are rattling around in your brain. And if you don't have the moment to slow down, it is going to manifest in things like anxiety, depression, and gender dysphoria. And it's about time that we wait these things out and see how people turn out to test their resilience. And this was a very resilient young woman who ended up finding herself on the other side of things. And sometimes that'll manifest in a pink dress and pink nails and butterfly clips, but I don't even need to go that far. It doesn't need to be some sort of gendered, assigned, typical view of what it is to be female. It just means that hopefully you land in the box of accepting your own body. And that box can take a thousand different shapes, but that's what we wait for. That's what we test. And that's what we see when we allow people ample time to explore themselves without chopping off their breasts and putting them on hormone replacement therapy. And now we'll go back to Dr. Bill. Look, what do you I'm think is behind physician. it though? Like what, how did this, if it, this is so contrary to the way most people feel, what do you think is behind it? Especially the push towards children, affirming children. Do you think it's because there's people that are queer or LBGT, whatever, and they want other people to be a part of their, their group? Is it they want more LBGT people? They want to encourage this behavior? They think it's suppressed and maybe there's more people that are gay or whatever and they want to come out and they just get suppressed by it so they're trying to make it like more enthusiastic? Like how is, how is this trans thing becoming a major point of debate with children where it never has in history and your life and my life there was never all this talk about trans children like this it seems insane that we've forgotten that kids don't know what the is going on yet i think a lot of it is owing to social media platforms and the internet i, I think um this is what i'm talking about when i say the activist i don't think speak for the community at large i think they get an agenda that they're pushing and I think they really get wrapped up in this, and it gets a lot of oxygen on the Internet. It gets a lot of oxygen on social media platform. Now, they say there's no social contagion here, but the girls that are claiming to be transgender, that percentage has gone up. Some reports say it's gone up uh, 
over the last several years, and they say, well, that's because they feel more comfortable talking about it now. Is that true, or is it because you read about it, you see it on social media, and you think, well, I can distinguish myself in this way. I think there is a social contagion effect. 100%. And if that were the case, and we're just finding out more about transgenderism, and all these people exist all over the country, and now that we're having the conversation, they're just popping up, then why are there certain areas in the country where we find more transgender kids than others? Why is it that, like, in Portland, there's a ton of transgender kids just popping all over the place? Or Los Angeles, all of a sudden, there's a bulk of just transgender gender children running around, is it maybe because it's ideologically driven and there are certain people that are pushing children down that path? And maybe that the social media in those areas is going to give way to more of that ideology than in other areas. I would venture to say that's probably what's going on. And I don't think there's any one motivator that is creating all of this. I think it's a multitude of things that all make up little pieces in one big pie. Dr. Phil talks about social media, very much a huge thing. People are finding acceptance on online communities communities and thinking that that means that they're gender dysphoric. They're finding popularity on social media and thinking that that means that they are trans and gender dysphoric. Joe Rogan talks about other people who identify as LGBTQIA+, whatever the case may be, and they want to see more people like them. That's a very real thing. If you've made that decision for your life, why not encourage a kid to do the same? You turned out okay. And even if you didn't turn out okay, you don't want to be in misery by yourself. Misery loves company. So why not influence the next generation to make the same exact exact decision that you made. There's also an abundance of virtue signaling that happens on the topic. And if you support transgenderism and uh, gender affirming care, you get to pat yourself on the back. So you get to make yourself feel good. There's also a whole ton of parents who use their children as little accessories and having a trans child gives you this little badge that you can wear for the rest of your life, talking about how wonderful you are as a parent to have affirmed your child and how difficult of a transition it was to make, but you did the right thing. There's a million reasons why this stuff is becoming as pervasive as it is and why we are just seeing an exponential growth in people identifying with these new identities that are popping up. And I'm sure you guys in the comments will give me 10,000 more reasons why people are choosing to make a decision like this. It's a very big pie. I'll say that. So people jump on the bandwagon and if it's for a short period of time, but they've done things that can't be reversed, I think that's really tragic. And they say there are very few detransitioners. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot more detransitioners that want to reverse this and come back than are being reported. 100%. Claps for Dr. Phil. A good old round of applause for Dr. Phil for having this conversation. You also got to ask yourself, if you're experiencing gender dysphoria, and say I was experiencing it, and I go and I'm going to get a double mastectomy, and that's where I'm going to start my journey, and I go and get the top surgery, and all of a sudden I'm having doubts. Oh, I chopped my breast off. Now I'm not feeling so good about this. You have two choices. I've already done something that's irreversible so I can continue down the irreversible path and hope that at some point during this transition, my mind, something clicks and I realize I did make the right decision and now being a man is a wonderful thing. Or I can try to go back to my old female life with no boobs and endure a life of suffering with whatever that means to be a woman who's living in the world with no boobs from a social 
standpoint and how people view you and societal standards and beauty standards from a biological perspective of, you know, the hormones associated and breastfeeding your child and just the self-consciousness of having made a decision that you now regret after telling people that this is an identity that should be affirmed 100%. Do you know how much embarrassment and regret and shame would be circling in the mind of somebody like that? So I think there's a lot of transgender people right now who made the decision for themselves, started an irreversible journey, and now just pure willpower are staying on this journey because the very admission that the ideology that you supported is a corrupt one or one that is false is an extremely difficult thing to put forward, which is why we need to be encouraging and opening uh, you know, opportunities for people to have this conversation, no matter how far they've gone, no matter how much they've supported it, to be free in the admission that maybe this wasn't the best decision because there is a lot of, of shame and regret and guilt that will be attached to that admission. But we're going to see more and more and more of them calling it now. Shout out to Dr. Phil for talking about it because uh, he has a lot to lose in coming forward and having the conversation. And of course, shout out to Joe Rogan for platforming it. Guys, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments down below. Is there anything I missed that you want to fill in? Is there anything you disagree with that I said that you want to correct or engage on? As always, I encourage healthy debates, so duke it out, but do so respectfully. And if you like this video, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time I post a video for you guys, which is every day. And uh, we won't send you guys to the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. I'm a professional. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I do have a bit of an announcement for y'all. I know y'all are great fans. <laughs> now that being said, we're gonna go to commercial break, but when we come back. <laughs> yeah, you better. Yeah, you better.